HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. In America, you get food deep. You won't have to run through the jungle and scuff up your feet. You just sing about Jesus and drink wine all day. It's great to be in America. Hello and welcome to another cheese-filled episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. I'd like to thank our sponsor for today's show, Hearst Ranch, as well as our super talented engineer and producer, Nat Wiener. Today on Cutting the Curd, we're joined by two passionate KCFiles, um, Conrad. And Conrad, I don't know your last name. What You'll have to help me out here. Uh, it's Heuser. Hello. <laughs> Conrad Heuser of Chass & Co., uh, a distributor of Swiss cheeses, and uh, the American Robin to his uh, Swiss cheese Batman, Sarah Zabrowski, an ex-colleague of mine uh, and current cheese maven at Columbia Cheese. Welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thank you. Um now we're literally going to get into some foreign territory today. Um, me being, you know, a purveyor of exclusively American cheese, we're going to talk about European cheeses uh, and talk about Conrad's company as well as sort of the behind-the-scenes business of distributing artisan cheese, which is not easy. Um, but before we do that, I, w- I would like to start with what I hope can become a little tradition on cutting the curd and ask Sarah and Conrad um, how they got into the world of cheese to begin with. Most cheese people that I've met weren't born into any kind of cheese background, so the twisted tales of how they ended up selling cheese, making cheese, um, are always very interesting. So maybe, um, Sarah, do you want to go first? Well, I guess since I'm the younger, I have to go first. <laughs> he pointed at you. <laughs> um, uh, well, I've always, I've always loved food. Um, if I can point to cheese specifically in my childhood, there is fondue, um, which is very Swiss, of course. Uh, and uh, my my father had a tradition of making just really delicious dinners on Monday evenings, and um, there are a couple cheese related things like fondue and um, pizza. And uh, who doesn't love pizza? Exactly, <laughs> especially when your father makes it very well. Oh, so uh, so I started with that, and um, I think I just have a uh, I don't know a good uh, tongue for food, I should say. And um, I hadn't really thought about going into it professionally necessarily, but um, at college I studied sort of uh, urban 
urban uh, studies and planning and such and you know then realized all the bureaucracy and red tape and all that bullshit not not so fun <laughs> not so fun and um but my passion for food i realized was was very strong so i started um cooking professionally and um, ended up running a sort of small organic kitchen in uh, Pennsylvania. Did you go to school for cooking or was that just uh, out of your love for it that you kind of got into it? Well, I did go to school briefly. Um, I went to uh, the French Culinary Institute um, in New York City. A great school. um, To get some, you know, sort of traditional groundwork. But um, I'd always been just very hands-on in general um, with things. So... So that's that's really the way I learned uh, very much about food, and um, somehow I got an itch for cheese, and so I would go around um, with uh, the cheese primer and go and hunt down Steve cheeses. Steve Jenkins, exactly, classic book. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I would just, you know, hunt down cheeses and enjoy them and learn more about them, and I realized I, I didn't want to cook for the rest of my life, and um, I just found these, you know, great things to, to do with cheese, and I got an internship at Artisanal, and... I uh, moved on to Murray's, and actually I spent about the last five years at Murray's. Um, you were like the mainstay at yeah. Murray's. Well, that's right. That's where we met. That's where we met, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, and I learned incredible amounts there and ins and outs of various departments and such. And, uh, I mean, that, that's definitely where I, I learned um, and the bulk of cheese. So. And now you're kind of, uh, you're at Columbia Cheese, which I have to admit, I don't fully understand completely. So you'll have to tell me what kind of a company that is and how, uh, what you guys do a little bit. Yeah. Well, Columbia Cheese is an importing company um, and we work with three specific suppliers. So there's um, Teresa, that's in Lombardy, Italy. And there's uh, Kescucha, which is in Bavaria. Did you just cough? No, uh, I'm just kidding. I just, I just said their name properly. We can Americanize it to uh, Case Cookie if you like. No, yeah. no, 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 definitely yeah. not. And um, and the third sitting to the left of us is uh, Chesenko, um, which is cheese and more um, in Switzerland. So um, we worked specifically with their cheeses, um, importing them, and just uh, like kind of general representative um, for them. So, for example, if you're whoever within the U.S. and you have a question about their cheeses, you can always contact me. Fantastic. Well, I know we're going to get at some point, I see four delicious cheeses on a plate in front of me. So hopefully we'll get into the storytelling part of this. Uh, I hope so. Sooner rather than mm. later. <laughs> but um, so Conrad, can you tell us uh, how, how did you fall in love with cheese? What's Well, um, first of all, I always like to... Uh, look into my mother's cooking pots that's how it started <laughs> my passion for food and as i far as far as i remember i wanted to become either uh, a chef or a train driver <laughs> and uh, i did none of them uh, <laughs> so but you I, came close. <laughs> sorry but you came close yeah i came but very close but now you get cheese to chefs and i'm sure maybe trains exactly. are sort of involved yes, in yeah, the yeah. transportation so, of your cheeses yeah <laughs> so but finally i i became a sports teacher which i did for quite some time about 10 years now a sports teacher in like a, in like a high school what were the age yes. of students yeah it was a high school and university so um, okay um, but after about 10 years, I, I thought, well, am I going to do that for all my life? Um, and I said no. So I, I quit the job and uh, started uh, uh, traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll be away for maybe six months. 
and it turned out to be five years. Wow! Um, what was your <laughs> and what was your first destination? What was your first? That was uh, New Zealand, okay. and then I hopped over to uh, Australia, and from there I traveled on to uh, Southeast Asia, Japan, China, and finally found my way back to Switzerland. <laughs> And uh, back in Switzerland, I I met my former uh, colleague and friend Urs, mm -hmm. who uh, at the time uh, run uh, three uh, retail shops for cheese. Okay. And uh, after a, a, f a few years of insisting, he convinced me to join the business. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did about uh, eight years ago. So um, from then on, I I'm I work with cheese. And and while you were doing all of that traveling, were you tasting cheeses as you went? Were cheese was cheese a part of your your travels at all? Not very much, though. In uh, South uh, East Asia, not yeah, in Japan. That's sort of difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not very much in Australia. I I tasted my first block cheddar there, <laughs> uh -oh. which not which was not very exciting. <laughs> but I really started um, uh, loving uh, loving the products uh, w once I I came back. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about your company? Which, by the way, uh, being the Midwesterner and not knowing any German at all, I was thinking was Chaz and Co. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite a nice sound. Uh, it's 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 got nothing to do with with music, not with jazz. But, but <laughs> Chaz is actually the uh, Swiss German. Uh, uh, name for for cheese for Käse. Yeah. Okay. So and Käse and Co means Käse and and other products. So we beside um, cheese, we do a bit of pasta, Swiss pasta. We do a, a bit of uh, Swiss um, uh, bread and fruit bread, and yeah, that's that's part of of our um, product range. Are you guys responsible for that beautiful pasta that I see at Formaggio Essex? That yes, that's true. that's true. Yeah, this lovely uh, blue packing uh, um, spaghetti and tanata and the vermicelli. Yeah. The most beautiful packaging you have ever seen. And it's delicious, <laughs> too. I, I bought it and, 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 and have cooked more than one dinner's yeah. worth. Yeah, it's um, the really, amazing thing really about Switzerland, how there are so many different parts of it. So... Such yeah, a small country, but touches so many others. Yeah. Yes, it's it's actually um, uh, coming from the uh, southern part of Switzerland, the Italian-speaking part. So it's it's a really Swiss pasta, um, Italian-style pasta, but in, in produced in Switzerland. Yeah. Amazing. And so you guys represent your the cheese part of your business. How many different countries or uh, yeah regions does that represent? Well, first of all, we we um, we buy a lot of Swiss cheese from small producers, but we also import uh, cheese from uh, France, from Italy, and also from from England, from uh, our good friends Niels Yard. Niels Yard, yes. awesome. <laughs> they make or they source excellent cheeses. Mm. So you're sort of in the business of sourcing uh, cheese um, from partners, like you were just saying, or in the case of the Swiss cheeses, do you guys go out yourselves and, and find the farms and uh, create those relationships? Yes, we, we go out and, and find the dairies because it's quite a different system in Switzerland uh, compared to like here in, uh, in the U.S. There are actually no... 
uh, virtually no farms that cheeses, but uh, mainly there is a, a village dairy, and uh, the the dairy will buy the milk from the local farmers. Yeah, which is a good model, which is something that you know it, it would be interesting to see more of in the United States. Mm. Um, for those of our listeners who don't know, farmstead means that. Um, the milk com- the milk to make the cheese comes from the farmer's own herd. And what Conrad is talking about is farmers from a, a region pooling their milk to um, be made into cheese. It's sort of a collective facility. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's much even, even smaller than a region because if you think of uh, the geography of Switzerland, which is so mountainous, you have you know valleys and hills and all sorts of things. So it kind of makes sense that you might have you know five or ten farmers who just go to the you know, the place in their town to bring their milk, you know, once or twice a day. Um, because, gosh, you really don't want to trek right over that hill or mountain, do you? It's true. <laughs> it's in a way, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's all about cooperation and, and pooling of resources and, you know, uh, allowing everyone to, to do the part of the job that they probably like the best. The farmers make the milk, the cheesemakers make the cheese. And that's exactly what we believe in. Yeah. Yeah. True, and and also that that we are just a part of the of this long chain of of providing a, an excellent product to the consumer. Like uh, everybody does what he can do best, yeah. And what we can do best right now, anyways, is eating, which is always okay. the most uh, yeah. <laughs> exciting part. Actually, it seems uh, it's time to take a really quick break. But when we come back, um, let's dig into these uh, cheeses in front of us and maybe talk a little bit about how they get from these tiny valleys in Switzerland to this plate at okay. Roberta's Pizza. Let's do so. All right, we'll be back. Singing to someone. This is a song about U.S. foreign policy. It's called uh, Political Science, so let's drop the big one. I'm glad you feel that way. No one likes us. I don't know why. We may not be perfect, but heaven knows we try. When all around, even our old friends put us down. Let's drop the big one and see what happens. We give them money, but are they grateful? Though they're spiteful and they're hateful, they don't respect us, so let's surprise them. We'll drop the big one and polarize them. Asia's crowded and Europe's too old. Africa's far too hot and Canada's too cold. And South America's stole our name. Let's drop the big one, there'll be no one left to blame her. We'll save our strength. Don't want to hurt no kangaroo. We'll build an all-American amusement park down. They got surfing too. So let's drop the big one. 
We are back on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network, where the studio is perfumed with cheese, and Sarah Zabrowski is cutting the curd right in front of our very eyes with a butter knife, which is really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't seem to have many uh, (laughs) cutting implements available for us. (laughs) So can you tell us, what what are we looking at here? What are these cheeses, and who makes them, and... Sarah, do you want to start with? Because oh. you've visited the Ernst Dierivechter in yes. Krümenswil in the Tokenburg. In the Tokenburg region <laughs> in the northeastern uh, area of Switzerland. So, um, yeah, actually, we, we've been talking to a, a lot of our customers about his cheeses recently. Um, what's, what's his name again? Just so Ernst Dierivechter. Ernst Dierivechter. Ernst Dierivechter, okay. yeah. And he is, um, he is actually the producer of Forsterkäse, which you are probably familiar with and some of your listeners maybe as well it's um it's a w- small wood bound uh wash rind semi soft cheese that is cow's milk right cow's milk yep that is incredible um and um and what does that name mean forster Kesa? well the f- the first is the the guy who takes care about the forest i don't know the proper expression in english lumberjack <laughs> ranger or yes the forest ranger maybe yeah uh-huh. okay good yeah so um and because this cheese is bound in in bark is yeah yeah it's a spruce bark and and um this is the reason why he calls it uh, Förster cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and the Käse in, in German is just means cheese. Okay. So the, so the, rain, the forest guy's cheese. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> they're all very simple names. Um, especially in Switzerland, they're often named after kind of the town or the region or, um, or a mountain. A nearby. In fact, yes, yes yeah. one of the cheeses we'll taste is named mm. after a mountain. So. Yeah. Well, should um, should we try a little bit yeah, and see? Oh my gosh, this looks so good. Um, I'm used to only eating American cheeses now, but I remember the Forster Kesa from my days at Murray's, and it was so good. Very, very pungent. This cheese. How would you describe this cheese, Conrad? Well, it's got a it's got a very um, intensive uh, flavor of wood. But you'll also smell the the a, a milky part, and it's got a nice um, for for this the type of cheese. It's quite quite strong actually. It is, and as it ripens, the um, you know the uh, bark gets a chance to kind of penetrate the paste a little bit more. Mm. So if you get a piece that's sort of closer to uh, the rind, um, you start to notice it more and more. That is absolutely delicious. It's very, um, it's very thick. It's very hearty, and I like it because mm. it's pungent. But you mm-hmm. still get that kind of, you still taste the sweetness of the milk, which mm. is yeah. amazing. <clears throat> so this is actually considered an, uh, a mountain cheese, as um, the altitude um, is about uh, seven to eight hundred meters, mm-hmm. and um, we we. We work with the uh, term mountain cheese not because of the mountains, because but um, because um, the, the the herbs are quite different from the lowlands, and the, and the herbs they add to the real flavor of the cheese. Sure, mm. that makes sense. The whole old adage "you are what you eat" that applies to cows probably more so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than than to us. Yeah. Um, so, well, what is what about the the second cheese? What are we what are we looking at there? 
On the second one, it's um, it's called Le Charmant, and um, the Forster Keza is is kind of the godfather of Le Charmant, actually. Okay, it's very in like the mafia sense. Uh, well, maybe not no. quite as uh, illicit <laughs> or uh, of that sort. But um, it's it's very similar in terms of the production of it. Um, but instead of doing a, just a normal uh, like Brevet Bacterium wash on it, mm-hmm. um, and instead of putting a pine uh, bark around it, um, they he uses a sweet white wine to wash it. Wow, what's uh what's what's the wine? Well, maybe this is the mafia part because Ernst <laughs> <laughs> I knew it had to be there somewhere. No, no because Ernst uses a, 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 a sweet wine from Sicily, and oh. this uh, this to the recommendation of uh, of an, um, a second generation Italian guy who lives in the area, and um, he just recommended to use an, uh, a, uh, this uh, Sicilian sweet wine. So. Maybe yeah, this is the mafia part. I like it. I like it. Every every cheese tastes better if it's twinged with a little bit of mystery and intrigue. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's a beautiful cheese. Yeah. Mm. Completely different. I mean, much um, kind of spongier in, mm. in texture. Um, has like a touch of bitterness, but very pleasantly so. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful cheese. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about um, this gentleman who's the cheesemaker? Who does he get his milk from? Well, the um, he gets the milk just from the local farmers, and this um, Ernst will buy uh, maybe or get uh, about uh, two thousand five hundred liters a day mm-hmm. in the peak season. Okay, and he is um, he gets it from many different farmers from the region. So it's I think we. We counted about 20, 20 different farmers. Okay. So each farmer has a very, uh, uh, a very limited number of, of cows. From some have uh, only ten to maybe twenty five. That's that's great. That's so that's a good size. It, it, it's it's a good size, but it's all also a uh, tough work on on the dairy uh, on the person who runs the dairy to keep the uh, hygienic standard high with the farmers. To, sure. Uh, to also uh, in, and uh, assure that the uh, the product will uh, be fine. Absolutely, you put yeah. a lot of trust as a cheesemaker mm. in yes. your in yeah. your farmers and in the person who runs the mm. the, the yeah, dairy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so, is this gentleman? Is he uh, a long? Is he a cheesemaker from you know forever ago, or is he is he new to it? Is he? No, he 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 learned the business uh, of a cheesemaker at a young age, and he uh, he was he was always a, a cheesemaker. So, but um, to uh, what I know, his family was not in the cheese business before. But he he was an, uh, a trainee, or an, uh, he did he did an apprenticeship as a cheesemaker, which takes uh, at least three years. Wow! Yeah. Wow! And, and so, th- what is he in his late? 50s maybe now he's in in his 50s yeah yeah, yeah. okay mm. and and these cheeses that we're tasting are these um typical to this region of switzerland or are they his own cheeses are they his own creations well it's uh it's only about 15 years ago since the uh the swiss cheesemakers are allowed to make other cheeses than the uh the well-known brands such as uh gruyere emmentaler 
or sprints and uh, wow. actually uh, Ernst used to be uh, an, uh, a Tilsiter cheesemaker and he still produces a, a certain amount uh, or number of Tilsiter but beside that he really likes to uh, produce his first cheese or Le Charmant or maybe the next uh, one, the Walzen cheese we are going to try very soon. So that's a that's a good lead in. I'm still hungry. What's <laughs> what's the Volzen cheese? What do you want to explain it, Sarah? Um, well, the Volzen cheese is um, it's a, a small cheese, about four pounds or so, and um, it's got a lovely sort of burnished rind with various kinds of molds growing on it. It smells burnished. It and smells like like a like little, roasted nuts or mm-hmm, it yeah. smells a little toasted sort of. Um, and in fact, you know, he kind of says in a, in a way it's based on sprints and, and sometimes it gets to that sort of dry point. Right now, the wheel that we're tasting is a little more, uh, slightly more moist and it's, it's maybe about uh, 10 months or so at this point um, that it's been aged. So um, um, I tasted it the other day and it was, it was kind of like a, a coconut omelet or something like that. And toasted coconuts, okay. completely. People think that, like... I just people... have to say this one okay, odd thing, okay. because when I tasted this cheese, I thought of you. Oh! <laughs> because when that? I think of why Petit Ardi Gazna from France, I remember you and coconut. And I tasted this cheese, and I thought of Anne. <laughs> Isn't that funny, the way that smell and taste works? It just, like, takes your mind to a completely different place. This cheese is amazing. The coconut thing, yeah, I was, I was trying to put a finger on it i was thinking caramel corn what is it there's something kind of sweet and caramelized about it but it is toasted coconut amazing yeah this is really a lovely cheese and um it stays as sarah said for up to 12 months in a, in a natural uh, cave so um it's got enough time to um to mature and uh, since the cheese is quite dry, it doesn't affect the cheese too much. But it's a really lovely cheese. We just discovered it uh, recently. Um, because quite, quite many cheesemakers, they produce uh, a cheese just for the local market. And um, that's one of those that we discovered. Wow. That, that's amazing. Um, so how did he learn to make these cheeses if these are cheeses that are a departure from the typical swiss cheeses the tilsiter and the sprints and all that were they of his own invention or did he have sort of inspiration that came from well i think uh, some of the cheesemakers are just uh, curious and like to experiment and um here are the results of of new cheeses that's that's how it, how it goes. <laughs> well, that's it. That's just incredible because that was actually one of my initial questions. I feel like in some parts of Europe, cheese making is sort of um, on, let's just say there's not many new ideas being produced. It's, mm-hmm. it's very strictly regulated by AOC laws or DOC laws, and people really aren't allowed to experiment quite as much, whereas in the United States, people are allowed to make whatever they want call it whatever they want some of it's great some of it's got awful (laughs) but the experimentation is there so to hear that that's happening um now in in different parts of europe as well is really Mm. pretty cool Mm. i i agree i think uh, tradition is very good um, uh, talking about aoc but it also 
can uh, restrict uh, the cheesemakers to, to not uh, being creative. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a very fortunate situation that we have in Switzerland right now. It's, it's kind of funny. It's all in flux. I guess initially cheeses were made because there were certain milk available in a region. There were certain constraints put on the cheese depending on the size of the cheesemaker's herd or the habits of the cheesemakers or the natural materials that were nearby, be it bark or leaves or wine or whatever. Um, and then that kind of got more. So then once those cheeses were popular... They became strictly regulated, and there was no experimentation allowed. But now people yeah, are kind of yeah, moving back towards the yeah. def- redefining what they want their mm. their cheeses to taste like. Mm. Well, we've only got a couple minutes left, but this is something that I think is completely fascinating, and 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 should be, you know, sort of more uh, people people should definitely know about it. Um, the distribution side of of getting cheeses from these small small producers to Uh, large markets like New York is not an easy task at all. Um, And I was wondering if you guys could tell us uh, just quickly, or or not so quickly, (laughs) I'm sure it's complicated, (laughs) but how how in a nutshell does a cheese get from your producer to uh, someone's plate in the United States? Because it's an incredible sort of gymnastic of... of It happens quite quickly, actually. I think much, much quicker than than one might expect. Um, But it, it certainly starts with with Conrad and with the cheesemakers and uh, well, Conrad can speak about this, but he's, you know, they're very exacting about, you know, what is, uh, what they're, they're working with in terms of within Switzerland and, you know, for export to other parts of the world. So, well, that's uh, Switzerland is very small. We have um, deliveries from our cheesemakers once or twice a week. And you have a warehouse where you store them? Yes, we ha- no, yeah, we have a warehouse, but especially for for the cheeses coming to uh, to the US, we do not store them, but uh, we order them according to uh, what is needed in in the US. So every shipment we get a fresh shipment from from the cheesemaker. Then we we pack uh, the cheeses up into boxes, we label them uh, in our warehouse, and. Um, then the cheese is picked up by a trucking company and is uh, shipped to Paris. And then it's Sarah's business from there. <laughs> to, uh, to Rangis? It's, it's going yeah. to Rangis to the platform of Euro Larkin, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so Larkin is, uh, and Euro Larkin, I, I feel like they're kind of the magic lever <laughs> in all of these <laughs> things. Um, so then Larkin is responsible for getting the cheese from... Rungis, the the big wholesale market in Paris to New York. Does that happen by boat or by plane? Uh, it happens by boat, and it's um, I mean vast amount of cheeses. It's actually kind of amazing if you ever get to be there and kind of see a, a container of cheese opened and pallet after pallet, and it's you know it's cheese from France and Spain and Italy and Switzerland and you know Bavaria and <laughs> all over the place. And the irony because we are sitting in a shipping container right <laughs> now. I can only imagine what it's like full of cheese. You know what a container looks like. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of cheese. Right. Right. So, I mean, the journey, journey across the ocean is uh, a little less than, than two weeks. So um, your cheeses do definitely have to be a little younger to make the journey. And Um, properly packed. Exactly. Like the first Urquiza, like you remember, like you just tasted, it's, uh, you know, it needs to be a little bit younger because it has a few more weeks of, of traveling before it gets you know, to a distributor and then, you know, finally to a retailer or to a chef or so. 
So it's it's an incredible amount of communication that happens between you guys and uh, and Conrad and his colleagues. Conrad probably I, gets too many emails from. I me. agree. I checked my emails with Sarah. And it's about a thousand over the last twelve months. So. <laughs> well, she's doing a good job. These cheeses are in good shape. Um, well, and and so once. Once they land here, just just um, very quickly, this is I found this to be one of the most fascinating things that I learned. Um, once they arrive at Larkin here in the in New York, Larkin is a is a bonded warehouse. No, yeah, it's a custom bonded warehouse. Mm-hmm. Can can you just describe what that is quickly? Because uh, it's so it's it's fascinating. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it means it has certain responsibilities. I mean, basically, if you go back to uh, and I'm, of course, I'm not the expert, but if you go back to, I don't know, the 70s or so, there was a issue with enough um, sort of people being a custom spot bonded uh, facility. And so they looked to people outside of, uh, of, of the customs department strictly um, to do this for them. Oh, so they kind of contracted out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, what that means is it's just it just kind of speeds up the process, quite frankly, of just getting the cheese to the customer Um because all of that can kind of go on within the facilities. You don't have to hold it at another facility until you can get it um, to another spot. So for a product like wine, it wouldn't be a big deal because a, a product could sit in a warehouse for months and sort of be relatively unchanged. But with a product like cheese, it's perishable. Having a bonded warehouse then means that that cheese is getting to the customer faster. Right, right. Fascinating. I just think that how cool is that to you know sort of be a, a an agent of the of the customs. It's true. It is a great place because I mean you'll have cheese come in and then you know forty eight hours later it's on its way to California or, or you know Seattle or Portland or something. So it's pretty amazing. And so finally, for for people who are in New York, um, where could they find uh, some of uh, Conrad and his um, his cheesy cohorts? Products. Oh gosh, um, there are are plenty of places. I mean, in terms of going in and just buying the cheeses, there's well, certainly there's Murray's cheese, there's Formaggio Essex, as you both mentioned. Um, there's uh, Brooklyn Larder. Um, there is um, uh, Green Grape. There's gosh, so many other folks um, because we do we we do have a New York distributor for the cheeses. So fantastic. Well, these have been absolutely delicious, and I thank you both for taking the time to come out. And uh, and chat on cutting the curd, and I wish you luck in your your journey to California for the Thank fancy you. food show. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. I'm just great to be with you. Thanks. Hope you'll come back. We'd I'm love sure to. we will. <laughs> you just sing about Jesus and drink wine all day. <laughs> 